0: Right. Well, thank you very much. It's so good to be here with you. And uh, I'll tell you what: if you don't feel good when you get here after all this, this this thing is this place is alive and and uh, romping and stomping and it's great. I love it. And so anyway, um, why don't you just be seated if you will? Let me get my self situated here. Uh, I, pastored, I pastored a church in the heart of, right in the heart of America in a city called St. Louis, Missouri, and was uh, planted a church uh, in 1980. How many of you all remember 1980? <laughs> Not all of you do, do you? <laughs> and uh, and uh, had a wonderful run for so many years, and now my son is, uh, one of my sons is pastoring the church there. And... Uh, and uh, And so I'm just uh, traveling, having fun, with people like you. Isn't that something? So anyway, uh, you know I've been. Your pastor talked about how that uh, you know that said he said I was a man of faith. It's one of the, I guess, you know one of the things that he used to describe me, and which is really interesting because faith, the life of faith, living by faith has been one of. Uh, about four main things that God has caused me to focus on literally all my life in ministry, literally all my life in ministry. And um, the Bible teaches us in several places, a handful of places in the New Testament, it, may, it it quotes this Old Testament passage in saying, the just shall live by faith. It says it over and over. Romans 16 is one of those places. He says, that this gospel, in it, the righteousness is revealed from faith to faith in the gospel. And so, in the gospel, righteousness of Christ is revealed from faith and leading to faith. And then he says, quoting that Old Testament passage, the just shall live by faith. And I ask myself, you know, somewhere down the journey, you know, I forget exactly how long ago it's been, but You know, I started out in the early years of my ministry with with one idea of faith. And to me at that time, faith was now what I call substance faith, the substance of faith. And there are basically three different kinds of faith. I mean, things that people mean, let's say. They're not really kinds of faith, but things that people mean when they say faith. And one of those is religious faith. And so you can say someone is a person of faith. you hear that today in our culture, you know, um, outside of the church. You know, they say, what faith are you? And what they mean is, what religion are you? It could be a dead religion or it could be a false religion, but it doesn't make a difference. That's your faith. And so there's religious faith, which which actually is no faith at all. And then there is the substance of faith. And that's what I really—that was my whole focus of faith for for many years in the early years of my ministry. And what I mean by the by the substance of faith is, to me, you know, when I read passages like that, "With God, nothing is impossible," and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And and you know, you, I, I would read these passages about uh, faith to move mountains that you can. If you believe uh, what you say and doubt not in your heart that this mountain shall be removed. And to me, uh, faith was mountain moving faith, meaning that what my faith was, it was I that's why I call it the substance of faith. I, I had this view. It's, I didn't view it this way at the time, but I describe it this way now. I, I had this view that I take my faith out of my pocket when I need to pray or when I would ask God for something, or when I need a breakthrough or a miracle, and I got to, oh, wait a minute. Let me get this faith out. Now, God, I'm believing you. God, you change this thing. Lord God, I'm asking you to, and I'm believing for that mountain to move, you know, and, and you know, in that kind of substance faith, we get real aggressive, you know, and like, ah, you know, you're you pushing and you're shoving and, you know, and you're confessing and you're believing and you're shouting and you're raving. Ah! It's like when people are going to shout the devil out of the place, you know. And and so that's the substance of faith. It's mountain moving faith, and mountain moving moving faith is is valid. Uh, you know, I, we've seen so many miracles. I'm so glad here that to hear that you you, you all that you value and champion the idea that God is a miracle working God. That nothing is impossible with Him. That I'm, I'm happy to hear you. Do you all realize not every church does that? Thank God there's a spirit of victory in this house. Thank God. Oh, hallelujah. Thank God there's a a roaring spirit in this place, a mountain-moving spirit in this place. But I want to tell you something. You'll never accomplish anything for God in a church corporately or in your life individually without an understanding that faith moves mountains. It changes things. I've had so many radical things happen. It's wild. Listen, this—it's like to me. I tell—I love to tell a story because it's—it's one of the most radical and extreme. And I guess I tell it for shock value, you know. But anyway, listeners, I was believing God for the first number of years of my ministry. God, I'm believing for miracles, and I would see miracles happen. Actually, this lady, one of the first people I prayed for, is actually the first lady I prayed for, and. And I'm believing God for a miracle. She had a growth on the outside of her neck about the size of a golf ball. And, and, and we pray, prayed for her, and within literally one minute saw that thing completely leave off of her neck. Now, let me tell you something. You have something like that happen one time by you, pray, you praying and believing God, let me tell you, it'll ruin you for normal Christianity. It'll just ruin you. You'll never go back to that old stuff again. you never go back to that old, like that old dry, dead Lifeless stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> I like that. So I was praying, God, I want bigger miracles, bigger miracles, bigger miracles. And I was preaching one day, just like this in a, in a place, and this actually, this woman we hear this scream from outside while I'm preaching, and the, and the, the, boy, the doors burst open, this woman comes running down the aisle. People were parting ways for her to come down. And when she got to the up front, I, finished, I, I uh, quit preaching, could no longer preach, because she had gotten everybody's attention. And when I see her, she comes up, and she has a little two-year-old girl in her arms, and this little girl, her little girl is dead. And she's screaming all the way, comes to me. It was just a little low platform. She comes running up to me, throws her little dead baby in, her, in, in my arms, and she said, my baby died last night. Last night, the baby was already, rigor mortis already set in, the body was cold and, and, you know, hard. And listen, I lift that little baby up to God and I said, God, God, I am nothing without you, but Lord God, I believe that nothing is impossible with you. Lord God, you who gave life in the first place can give life back again to those who've lost it in the name of Jesus Christ. I speak live, I just went on and on like that you know and 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 after about 2 minutes or so i started feeling the skin getting warm then i felt it getting soft then all of a sudden the baby just jumped and has took a first, <gasps> first breath and let me tell you something the greatest thing in the world is to take that little dead baby and see god bring her back to life and hand her back into the arms of her mother i've seen many things happen but i always think back to that that one miracle because i always say listen this ain't nothing compared to that that god can do anything hallelujah now listen to this so i was moving in this mountain moving faith but then something interesting happened along the way in life and that is down through the years i ran into some difficulties some problems and some mountains didn't move and so now i've got a dilemma Now I've been this guy preaching on all this bold faith stuff, you know, and uh, telling these stories, and and now these mountains won't move. And I even myself, I went into a a, a period of illness, and the illness, I was believing God for six years. And and for six years, I was crying out to God. I couldn't explain why that mountain wouldn't move. Six years after six years, it was actually uh, January 2006, the Lord miraculously healed me after six years of being ill. Now, here's the thing, though. But through that six years, if you face some prolonged illness or some challenge or some adversity, some negative thing in your life that doesn't move for many years, then all of a sudden, all these scriptures about mountain-moving faith, they seem to be a lie. They don't make sense. And the reason is, is because there's another kind of faith. Listen to this. There's another kind of faith. There's this religious faith, which is wrong. There's this mountain-moving faith. But then th- this next realm of, faith is act- realm of faith is actually now I've come to learn is the highest realm of faith. I got your attention, I? And you say, what could be higher uh, realm than this mountain-moving faith? And listen to this. You know what it is? You ready for this? It's, it's, it's going to knock your socks off. Listen. You know what it is? It's trust. <laughs> now, that blew your minds, didn't it? And I said, listen, I, did, I went for a number of years before I got this. I had to have all hell break loose in my life, and, and my prayers are not seem to work in order to me to figure this out. That the highest realm of faith is trust, and here's the way I explain it. And that is that, yes, God moves mountains, but what happens when the mountain doesn't move? And that will happen sometime in your life. What are you going to do when the mountain doesn't move? If you don't have the faith of trust, trust is the soil that mountain moving faith functions in. And I say it that way because people, oh, listen, to this. I say it that way because people, you know. They think when I start talking about trust that, that somehow I'm talking about, I'm kind of backing off of this aggressive, aggressive edge of faith. We're backing off of this really, uh, you know, powerful, victorious message and lifestyle gear. We're talking about trust. But that's not the case at all. In fact, here's the way I say it. And that is that I have watched many people come into the church, and man, all of a sudden, it seemed like they're the fastest-growing person in the church. Their faith is so alive and so fine. I'm telling you, they're moving mountains. They're believing God for whole cities to change. It's unbelievable. Everybody's looking at them and saying, oh, it's, it's a marvel. Look at their faith. It's so great. And I've watched them time and time again. They go like that and go like that until a moment comes where they pray or believe God and then the mountain doesn't move for the first time. And then there's something else happens and the mountain doesn't move. And the person that supposedly had such great mountain-moving faith when mountain-moving faith didn't work because they didn't have the faith of trust, they forsook God and their faith suffered shipwreck. And I ask the question, what good is it to believe God for mountains to move if you're not going to have the kind of faith that says, no matter what happens in my life, no matter if things change or not, no matter what comes my way, my trust is in God. You with me now? That doesn't make my faith benign. It fires me up. Because I know that there is no length that the enemy can go in his attack against me that will ever get me to give up in my trust and faith in God." Hallelujah. I love it. It's like the three children in the fiery furnace. You remember? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Wow, what names. Isn't that something? And these guys in the fiery furnace and or, or the guys going to put them in the fiery furnace, you know, for not worshiping his idol. And I love what they say. They say, this paraphrase, but they say, listen, O king, if you throw us in that furnace, and if God, and you see, if you throw us in that furnace, God is going to deliver us. And they said, and we know he will. There's mountain-moving faith. They said, God's going to deliver us. We know he will. But it's crazy. The next thing that God, they say, the three Hebrew children said, but if God doesn't deliver us, Let it be known that we will not bow down to your idols. Listen. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. That's the perfect paradigm. We see these guys. God's going to deliver us. We know it. A miracle is coming. Listen. But ultimately, their faith in God is not based upon them getting what they want. They're believing for it to happen, but their confidence in God is not tied to them being a consumer and God blessing them. Their trust in God is tied only to the character of God, the nature of God. You love that? Oh, King, if you put us in, God's gonna deliver us. See, that's that's your message. Don't ever change that message. That's your praying. That's your lifestyle. But underneath that, that mountain moving faith needs to grow in the soil of trust. Now, listen to this. Let's talk about this trust for a moment. Oh, y'all having a good time today? I like this. So let's talk about this trust. Listen. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, this is in the Amplified Bible. I love this. Now, look, we're getting ready. There's a number of different ways that faith is described in the New Testament. I love this one better than any of them. Listen to this. This is the Amplified Bible, and here's the way it reads. Let us all come forward and draw near. Let us all come forward and draw near with true, honest, and sincere hearts, an unqualified assurance, an absolute conviction. You ready for this? Watch. Engendered by faith, and then the Amplified gives us a, a description of this kind of faith. Engendered by faith, by that leaning of the entire human personality on God, an absolute trust and confidence in His power, His wisdom, and His goodness. This thing blew my mind one day when I'm reading this thing. He says, "This is the faith. This is the unqualified assurance, the absolute conviction." Do you get that? That we operate by it's the faith that is the leaning of the entire human personality. Give me a guy. Give me a guy that's. Got a decently strong back, all right? C- come on, pick one out. All right, thank you, my brother. Bless you. What's your name? Tavita. Tavita. Let's just thank God for Tavita. Come on, get, give him a big applause there. Look at this. Yeah, you got it. You got it. You're strong. Okay. Just um, stand there looking at me, facing me like this. And watch it. Listen. And so he's one, it's very simple. This almost seems childlike. To illustrate this, but I just, I started picturing it one day. He says, faith, he said, the leaning of the entire human personality on God in trust and confidence. And I begin to realize that here's what faith is. Now, if I lean back, are you going to catch me? Do you promise you're going to catch me? Okay, watch. Now, on the basis of that word, on the basis of that word, I don't see David. I can't touch him, but I'm just going to trust him. There you see. Yeah. Awesome, brother. There you go. Listen. Now, this time, don't push him back, but hold me in your arms, okay? Watch this. There you go. Now, just hold me. Look at me. It's all like Listen, listen. come on. You're doing good. Just keep going. There you go. Now, now, look at this. I want you to see this. Now, hold this a minute. Listen. I want you to see this. Okay, I'll, thanks. Let's have, give him a big hand clap. Come on. What I wanted you to see is that when I first leaned back in him, we think, oh, yeah, that's fake. He's leaning back. But it's interesting how something changed when I went on back and lift up my legs. Do you notice that as long as I was just leaning back, but yet my weight was really still on my own feet? Tavita was very relaxed and calm. But whenever I lifted my legs and he carried my full weight, I quit sweating and he started. <laughs> do you notice that? He's back there like this. Why? And I'm not. Listen, because faith is the leaning of the entire human personality. The Lord spoke to me one day. He says, he says faith is having both feet off the ground. I said, what do you mean, Lord? He says, many of us, it's like your faith were a stool, and you got this stool. And so you say, oh, God, I'm trusting you, and you got one bun on the chair. But you really, your weight's on this foot here. I'm trusting you, God. And I call them one-bun Christians. <laughs> one bun on the chair, but, but really, listen, oh, I trust you, God. I trust you with my finances, trust you with my life, trust you with my future, my job. Oh, God, I trust you. But really, we just got one bun on the chair. Listen this. Why? Because we are kind to of believe in God, but yet we're keeping one foot on the ground in case God doesn't show up, then we can still carry on without God intervening. That thought, did you get that statement there? It blows my mind. This thought terrifies me to think that you can come to a place in your life where you can live without God showing up. He said, what faith is, it's putting both buns on the chair and lifting your stupid feet off of the ground. God says, so that I, listen to this, so that you can trust me completely with your life. He says, what faith is, is faith is so completely casting yourself upon God and trust and confidence in him that you give him the full weight of your life, that if God doesn't show up in your life, you're through. Many people never know what it's like to trust God with their life to the degree that if things in the natural don't work out, then 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 they're they're through. To trust God means God, I trust you, and you have to come through. Are you all with me now? Because it's like this. It's like you know. Well, let me tell you this. Years ago, when my kids were teenagers, my boys I have four boys, and and when they were teens in high school, I took them. We had a place at the big lake and, and at a boat, and we took the kids out, and they, got, they, they saw this big cliff. And there was this big cliff, and they said, Dad, Dad, we want to go get, climb that cliff and jump off that cliff in the water. Dad, Dad. And finally, I gave it. I said, all right, go ahead. So I parked the boat over here, and they all jumped out in the water and were swimming to the, toward the land. And they turned back, and they said, Dad, we want you to come and jump off with us. And I thought, no, no, no. Somebody's got to stay with the boat, you know. You just go on and jump off of that cliff. Finally, they started attacking my manhood. And, and it forced me to have to get out of the boat. I got out of the boat. I climbed that mountain. I got up the top. All these teenagers, they jumped off. Ah! All the way down. And I'm standing back here like this. There's the cliff. And I'm standing back here. And finally, the last one's gone, and I'm still back here. And the boys, I can hear them crying, Dad, Dad, where are you at? Dad, come on, Jump. Finally, I walked up to the front, to the edge, and when I walked to the edge of the cliff, it's like my knees started having fellowship with one another. It was like, it was crazy. And then I looked down. It was the worst thing in the world I could have done. When I looked down, fear literally shot all up through my body. And I'm standing like this. And so I waited. But then all of a sudden I noticed the longer I waited, the more terrified I became. I was becoming paralyzed. It's like my knees were locking in place. The, listen. So what I did is I thought, okay, I'm going to die, but I'm going to keep my manhood. That's, you know, that's what it's all about, right? Huh? And So anyway, I said, all right, here I go. I closed my eyes, and I jumped off of that cliff. And when I jumped off and got in midair, I'm telling you, I I lost my breath. I thought I was going to die. I was terrified. But then when I, I I finally hit the water. And when I hit the water, a little bit later, I come out of that water. And by the time I shot up out of that water, I had my fist raised in the air. Yeah! I knew I could do it all along. It's like a, you know, isn't it interesting that the greatest thrills in life The greatest adventure in life requires us to do something first when we're still terrified and afraid. You with me now? Faith always, God responds to faith when faith is acted before God acts. You with me now? People are always waiting for God to do something so they can do something. God's waiting for us to do something so he can do something. Did y'all get that? Come on, give the Lord praise. So here's the deal. He says, faith by that leaning of the entire human personality on God in absolute trust and confidence in His power, His wisdom, and His goodness. Now listen to this. This hit me. You've got to get this. The leaning of the human personality on God is trust. What is your trust quotient? I say, here's the, what the trust quotient is. Your trust quotient is how far and long you will go and continue to follow God when nothing makes sense. Because many Christians, subconsciously, they have in their minds this whole demarcation where if if it would end up that God wouldn't show up there or if that wouldn't happen, then I'm out of here. And what trust is, his trust is that complete leaning on God in three things. His wisdom, his power, and his goodness. And this hit me one day because I thought, okay, what, it's, it's leaning on his power, trust in his power. Well, the deal is, is that God's all powerful, and we know that, and that's, all, that's not our problem. All of us believe that God has all the power to do it. So that's not really our issue. Trust in his power. Where we struggle is with the other two. Trust in his wisdom and trust in his goodness. Listen to this. He said, What it means to trust in my wisdom is that when you're going through life and you have setbacks and left turns and detours and all hell breaks loose in your life, nothing makes sense. And when nothing makes sense, he said, Trusting my wisdom means you trust. That there are things that God knows about what you're going through that you don't know yourself. That there are a lot of things in the equation of what's happening in your life through every season of your life that you don't understand. God doesn't give it to you. But just because you don't know it doesn't mean God doesn't know it. And so it dawned on me. You know, this atheist one day came up with this statement, he said, you know, Christians believe three incompatible statements, meaning they all can't, three can't be true. One of them's got to be a lie. He says, here's what they are. Christians believe that God has all power, which means, he said, that if God wants to, he can deliver us from suffering. He said, number two, God is all love, which means God wants to do it, If he can, and number three statement is evil does exist in the earth, which means that suffering is a regular part of the human experience. He said those three cannot all be true. God cannot be all loving, which means he wants to deliver us from our suffering, and he can't be all powerful at the same time, which means he can do it. He has the power to do it. And still the third statement be true that evil does exist in the world. He says, one of them cannot be true. And when I heard that, all of a sudden, boom, a light went on and I thought, hey, smart dude. Professor dude, listen. What if you're missing a statement? What if it's incomplete, your equation? What if, number one, God is all-powerful? It means he can. He is all-loving, which means he want to, wants to. And there is suffering in the world. But what if there's another one? What if number four, God is omniscient, which means he's all wise, which means God. Knows what we're going through. He wants the best for us. He has the power to deliver us out of every little thing. But that God has a plan that he designed years ago before we ever entered this earth. That God had had formed us for a purpose. And he designed us uh, with a, a, a mission in mind. Listen to this. And God knew that way ahead of time. You listen to me. Oh, I love this. And that God, according to that plan, On those times when you go take detours in your life, you have setbacks. You go through hurts. People abuse you or misuse you, and you think, how in the world could this happen and God be here with me? Or some other crazy things happens. And the problem is, is that all the information we have is what we can see, hear, smell, taste, and touch. You see, we live on a linear timeline as humans, Right? which means we have three places. We have the past, we have the present, we have the future. And with us, we either are here, which means if I'm in the past, I'm not in the present or the future. That's, that's real deep, folks. Think about it. And, or I'm here, which means I'm in the present, which means I've excluded the past and excluded the future, or I'm in the future. I can't be at two or three at the same time. But God says, I don't operate on a linear timeline like you do. He said, you must understand that I am infinite, which means I am in everything, and everything is in me. There's not God and then a place called there. You can't have God in there because when you get there, God's there. That's God too. I love that. If you go, you can go way to the past to try to find the end, the beginning of God, and you can't because he is the beginning. You can go all the way to the end to try to find the end of God, and you can't because he is the end. He's the first, he's the last, he's the alpha, he's the omega. He is the one who was and is and is to come. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I love that. God says this. He says, I don't live on a linear timeline. He said, I live in a place called eternity. And eternity itself is a place in me. Because everything exists in me. And he says, because of that, because I'm eternal, he said, I was the first, the last, the beginning, the end, the Alpha, the Omega. He said, what that means is this. When you're going through something here and it's not pleasant. And then God comes to you and makes a promise or you see a promise in his word. And God says, I'm going to deliver you out of this. You accept that, but yet you live here and now you're living, you're taking steps forward in a linear fashion. And you get down here, further down the road, and you think, God, you promised me that. You said it was going to happen. But yet, God, I've gone all this way, and it hasn't. And God says, you have to understand that in the way, in the realm I exist, he said, I stand at the past and the present and the future all at the same time. So he said, you know, in like in Romans chapter 4, when God... Wanted Abraham and Sarah to have a baby. And it's, when God promised to them, the first thing he did is he called Abraham by what he had promised him. He wanted people to call him now by what he had promised him for the future. And I said to God one day, I said, God, how can you do that without lying? It says right there that you, God, call things which do not exist as though they did. I said, God, how can you say something that does exist that it doesn't exist and not be lying? or how can you say something that doesn't exist does exist and not be lying and god spoke back to me he said this is the answer rick he said you must understand that the moment i make you the promise because the moment i'm standing there at the moment of promise but at the same time i'm already standing down here at the moment of the fulfillment of what i'm promising you he says so for me he says that's why the bible says i see the end from the beginning I see the end from the beginning, not just because I painted some mental picture for the future. God says, I see the end because I'm at the end. When I I made the promise at the beginning, I was already at the end. That's why I told you it was going to happen because I already stood at the place of the fulfillment of that thing happening. Oh, hallelujah. I love that. And God says, you see, this is what true trust is. Trust is not... Conjuring yourself up into some mentality of faith or some mental picture that you are trying to develop, visionating, you know, and creating, putting something on your, uh, you know, in your house, on the wall, a picture that you can visionate about and, you know, and all that stuff. He said it's not that about about that at all. Faith is seeing. But faith is believing that what you don't see, God does see because he's standing there. So all faith is, is saying, even though what I see now tells me it's not true, but I know where God stands and God says he sees it differently. And so I'm going to believe what he sees, not what I see. So you see, so that's trust in God. It's not trust in my own faith. I end with this. Listen to this. God told me this. He said, Rick, he said, if you want to cast yourself fully on me, I said, what does that look like, God? He says, here's what it looks like. And he took me to this place where it was the beginning of my, the way I was called into ministry. And just listen to this. This is so powerful. Growing up as a kid, I never wanted to be a preacher. In fact, I told all my friends that I wouldn't be a preacher. I said, I won't do that. And it ends up, I go to university and I meet my wife. And so now we fall in love. And so one night I asked my wife, I said, honey, I said, you know, I want you to marry me. And she looks at me and she tells me, she said, I love you too, but I can't marry you. I said, why? She says, because you say that you'll never preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And she said, when I was 14 years old, she said, I got down on my knees and cried out to God, and God told me that if I would cast my whole life upon him and trust Him, that when I grew up that I was going to be a man, meet a man who's a preacher, and that you and him were going to go around the world preaching the gospel together. She said, so I can't marry you. That's wild, ain't it? So anyway, I thought, well, maybe I can change my mind. Maybe I can be, maybe I can be a preacher. <laughs> Now, I decided at that point I didn't. I just said, I said, look, I'm insistent on this. I said, I love you. I said, I'd love to marry you. I said, but we're going to break up and we'll go our separate ways. And I said, if you, have, if you change your mind, I still, I still am of the same frame of mind, if you change your mind, then we'll get married. And so we were broke up for nine long weeks. Seemed like such a long time at the time. So I didn't see her. And all the time, she was praying for God to speak to her. She, and then she's saying, God, yeah, I know you spoke this to me, but, and he says he's not going to be a preacher, but yet somehow my heart is falling in love with him. And she says, and I've prayed, and I'm asking you to please tell me if it's against your will. Stop me. After nine weeks, the Lord said nothing. So anyway, she couldn't stand it anymore. And one day I'm out here on the campus and she comes crawling on her hands and knees back to me, you know? (laughs) It's been a long time. The details are vague, but it's something like that. (laughs) It's it's something like that. If my wife was here, it might change a little bit, but. (laughs) (laughs) It ends up we do get married. But God was dealing with me so strongly for the next three years. I couldn't, got to the place I couldn't hardly stand myself. I was working my job now, and I just was absolutely miserable with myself. Does anybody in here ever know what it's like to go down a path in life where the, you're on your own and you're just so stinking miserable where you can't, can't hardly stand your life? That's the dealings of God. That's God saying, get the weight off your feet and trust me with your life. And I was so miserable. One night, I came home from work. I couldn't take anymore. And I'm not a crier, but I fell across my bed, and I started bawling like a baby. I was crying out to God, God, what's going on? What are you doing? God, speak to me! And all of a sudden, just like that, I saw a vision. And the vision was all it was was a blank piece of paper. And I looked and I said, God, what is that? And then the Lord said to me in this vision, I saw at the bottom of the paper, it was a blank, but at the bottom was a place for me to sign my name. I said, God, what is this? And God said, that's my will for the rest of your life. Now sign it. <laughs> Listen to this. Oh, I feel God. I, I, I feel God dealing with people right now. Listen this. Not just here, but at the other locations. Listen, wherever you are in your other locations, let God speak to you now, right where you are. I said, God, what is this? It's my will for the rest of your life. Now sign it. I said to God, I said, God, if this is a contract, I've signed contracts before. I said, I know how they work. You need to fill it in, fill in the details so I know what I'm agreeing to when I sign the paper. And the Lord spoke to me so strongly. He said, no. He said, you sign it and then I'll fill it in. I picked up a pen with fear and trembling and I signed the bottom of that piece of paper. And the moment I signed that paper and put the pen down in this vision, the Lord spoke to me and He said, "Now go preach the gospel." I thought, I knew that's what you were going to say. That's why I wanted you to fill it in first. And I all of a sudden learned that what true trust in God is all about. it's about understanding who is Lord. Lordship is not saying, God, I will serve you if you do this, this, and this for me. True lordship is signing the blank piece of paper and saying, God, I trust you no matter what you write in it. I trust you no matter what. And folks, if you can only realize that until you sign that paper and don't hold anything in reservation from God, You say, God, it doesn't matter what it is, I'll do it. Until you reach that point, you'll live in frustration uh, and unfulfillment all of your life. you get to the top of the mountain and it won't do for you what you thought it would. You sign that blank piece of paper, lay back in the arms of God and say, God, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. Everybody say that, Lord, I trust you. Lord, I trust you. Stand to your feet with me, if you will. And I'd like to Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just all just, just wait upon the Lord just a moment. God, do what you want to do in this house right now. Lord God, yeah, speak. Go ahead and speak to people right now. Lord God, I'm asking you, Lord, let the wave of your spirit blow up on the minds and souls of people's lives, Lord God. Raise them up today to a new spiritual awakening. Father God, speak to them about their lives. Bring them to the crucible of the cross of signing that blank piece of paper Lord God deal with my brothers and sisters now let them hear your voice clearly in the name of Jesus we bless you we bless you we bless you here's what I wanted to do first of all is this is I want to take and I want to ask people all over this place if it's the most natural thing in the world to do right now after telling that story about the blank, blank piece of the paper is to ask you, have you given your life to God at all? Are you here today? Maybe you like the service, the music, whatever else, the friends you're with. But I want to ask you a question. Is your life been given over into the hands of God? In other words, is it your plan being worked out in your life or is it God's plan? Who's following who? And I want to ask you today, listen. The most important thing in the world is to make your heart right with God, where you shed the past of your old life and say, God, everything now is in your hands. My life is yours. And until you reach that point, listen, you will bump up against walls all of your life. God loves you so much. He sent his son to die for you. I'm asking you, don't leave this place today. Don't leave this moment without saying an eternal yes to God saying, God, I want to give my life to you. I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want to turn from my old ways, and I want to follow you, Jesus. Every eye closed, just for a moment. Father, I just pray right now for people, deal with them, God, speak to them. With every eye closed, I'm going to ask you right now, all over the place, if you could say, Rick, Pastor Rick, I need God, I want that. I want to give my life to Christ. I don't want to leave here without God i want jesus or maybe you've known god but down somewhere down the road you've fallen away from god and you need to come back like a prodigal son or daughter on either case i want you right now when i count to three i want you to shoot your hand up real high and when your hand is up then i'll know then i'm just going to pray with you right there at your seat but i want to see who we're praying for so on the count of three one two three quickly yes 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 i see okay yep yep, yep. See a number of them on the balcony and some on the main floor, too. Ask you one more time if you didn't raise your hand. You can put your hand down now. But if you didn't raise your hand, I want you to ask you, those of you who say, Pastor Rick, I want to join with those who are praying that prayer. I want to give my life to Christ. You're in the valley of decision, but you didn't raise your hand. Would you raise your hand right now? Anybody else that say, Pastor Rick, yep, I want to make that decision? Anybody else? God bless you. All right, let's pray together. Everybody that raised your hand, this is your life-changing prayer, but I want us all to join together and do it. Just say this, dear Father God, I thank you for loving me, for giving your son to die for me. I open my heart to you. I want to give you my whole life now. Please forgive me of my sin. I humble my heart before You, and I turn my life over to You. Come into me now. Live by Your Holy Spirit. I thank You in Jesus' name. Now just for a moment, let me just pray for You. Father, I just pray for those who've raised their hand. God, I pray that You would bring them into a complete, full encounter with You, Lord, one that will radically change them. Will they never be the same? And then I pray for everyone else here this morning. Just listen to this. Those who maybe you've run up against some wall, maybe things don't make sense in your life, and this message is spoken to you. I want to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that you make yourself dear and close to people who've been in confusion. God, to people who haven't been able to see anything. God, I pray that, first of all, you'd speak a word of encouragement to them and let them know that you are with them in the fire. Father, I ask you to do that, God. Wrap your comforting arms of love around them. And, Father God, then I ask you, deliver them. Deliver them, God, and bring them out, God, to a new and fresh place. Lord God of victory, we just thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Come on, give the Lord praise. in this.